Welcome to the Battlefield Baptist Church Podcast. We are so glad you joined us and pray that this message is a blessing to you today. This week, Pastor continues his sermon series on stuff with job stress. Oh, what a mess. Good to see you this morning. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn. I want to remind us of where we were last week. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. If you're joining us today for the first time, uh, we kind of started a series last week entitled Stuff. And the idea, it, 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 this, this series kind of germinated out of the idea of one message. And the idea that all throughout the year, we all, it doesn't matter what it is, it doesn't, doesn't matter what your background is, we all deal with stuff. There's, some of us deal with financial stuff, some of us deal with health stuff, some of us deal with uh, um, emotional stuff, uh, relational stuff, job stuff, and on and on. And so, so we started this, this discussion last week, and last week we kind of began to scratch the surface, so to speak, and we were discussing last week the pitfalls of intellectual stuff, stuff that kind of boggles the mind, and here's the problem. It, some things that we deal with, they affect the mind, and then those things move down and they start to kind of pile up in what we call emotional stuff. And the intellect and the emotions, it's not very long before those things are being revealed through behavior or behavioral stuff. And so last week, that's where we were, and those things, those are things that really, guys, if we're not careful, they actually hinder our spiritual growth. Ashley was saying something uh, this morning that I thought was interesting. It was like um, after uh, she trusted Christ, she said uh, this idea of, I want to live for Christ, I just don't know how. And, and I think that's where a lot of people are. A lot of people say, hey, I want to live for Christ. I've trusted Christ as my Savior, but I just don't know how. And so I wrote that down, Ashley. I, thanks for sharing that and reminding us that, that we have to be growing day by day. But when we allow intellectual, emotional, and behavioral stuff, and it's all sinful at its core, to kind of affect us, it hinders our spiritual growth. And not only does it hinder our spiritual growth, it starts to, to harm relationships. It harms our relationships, you know, kind of horizontally, but those things are affected secondarily because what happens is our relationship is affected vertically first. And so that's what we were discussing last week. And if you remember, I suggested that the immediate remedy for it doesn't matter what it is, and this will be true all throughout this series, the immediate remedy is always to get God involved. See, what we do typically is we try to deal with everything on our own, uh, according to our own thoughts and our own ways. And we know that Scripture tells us that God's ways and His thoughts are much higher than ours. And so he operates on a different plane, if you please. And so I just suggested simply last week, man, let's get God involved. Quit leaving him out of the loop. And so uh, last week, look at 1 Peter chapter 5. Last week we were encouraged from this passage really to cast our cares uh, on the Lord. And notice what the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, verse number 6 and 7. Notice it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Now stop and look at verse 7, because I think it's important where it talks about casting your care upon him. How many cares are we supposed to cast on him? All of them. So we, we agree that the Bible says all. 
And I'm not sure if you're reading from the same version uh, of Scripture as I am or not, but I did a study years ago, and all in the Greek actually means all. And so it doesn't mean, hey, I can cast these cares on God, but I'm not allowed to cast these cares. We can cast all of our care on Him. And then I always tell people when you read Scripture and you come across a semicolon, most of the time I tell you to ask the question what? Why? The Bible says casting all your care upon Him. Why? Because He cares for you. But I want you to continue reading. Go to verse number 8, guys. Show verse number 8 and 9. Because the Bible goes on, it says, be sober, be vigilant. Why? See the semicolon? Why are we to be sober and be vigilant? Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The Bible says in verse number 9, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Peter's saying, guys, the things that you're facing as the Jewish believers that are dispersed all around the known world at that time, he says the things that you're facing are the same things that your brothers are facing everywhere. And so he says you got to resist. you got to resist. Resist the devil in the faith. And so what we understood very quickly is that from verse number 7, we see that there's one who cares for us, and right away in verse number 8, we see that there's one who doesn't care for us. And so last week, we talked about if we're going to begin to deal with our stuff appropriately, we have to understand intellectually who we need to cast our cares on. And His name is Jesus. This morning, I want to continue our series and talk about some stuff, quite frankly, that every one of us in this room at some point in life deal with. And I will tell you from the offset, this was a difficult message to even kind of construct or put together. And I want to talk to you this morning about job stuff. We all deal with job stuff. It doesn't matter what your occupation is. You say, well, I'm a stay-at-home dad, I'm a stay-at-home mom, or I have a business, I run it out of the home, or I work in real estate, I'm a doctor, I'm a nurse, I, I work with the postal service, I'm a youth pastor, I'm a, a music manager. It doesn't matter what your job is. You deal with stuff in the workplace. In fact, job stuff impacts all of our lives. I was thinking about scripture and I was talking with somebody this morning. I think about in Exodus chapter 18, Moses had some stuff. He was called to be the leader of the children of Israel. God said, hey, you go back into Egypt and I'm going to use you. I'm going to speak through you and you're going to lead my children out of Egypt. Moses was like, you got the wrong guy for the job. He immediately had some problems with his job stuff. And yet we know that God works through a set of circumstances in a marvelous way. And the children of Israel are out. And uh, what we find in Exodus chapter 18 is a father-in-law comes to visit. The in-laws are in town, so to speak. And that's a whole different set of stuff that we're not going to talk about this morning. But Jethro comes out and Jethro sees what Moses is doing. He says, he says, bro, you can't handle this job. He says, I see you sitting here and I see all the people lined up. You're going to kill yourself. You're going to destroy yourself. Moses, you're burning the candle at both ends of the stick. And guess what happens? When you and I burn the candle at both ends of the stick, we get caught in the middle. So he had some job stuff. So Jethro gives Moses some advice. I think about David. David is anointed as king, right? He immediately has inherited 
a new set of job stuff that he has to deal with. And immediately he is on the run for his life. He's a man after God's own heart. But David goes through a period of time where he deals with some stuff. I think about the Apostle Paul, that one who consented unto the death of Christians. He has this Damascus Road experience. You know, uh, Eric was sharing a story. How powerful is that? Saul has this Damascus Road experience. The light shines around him. He can't see. And and Jesus says, hey, you go on into the city, and there I'll tell you what you're going to do. He says, I've given you a new job. And immediately, and immediately, if you do a study of Paul's life, he starts dealing with job stuff. You see, job stuff, many times, this, the, this stuff that we deal with in our jobs impacts our lives positively, but sometimes it can impact our lives in a negative way. The impact that's most commonly referred to when we come to job-related stuff is this one word. It's called stress. Anybody ever dealt with stress? Hey, let me ask a question. Anybody feeling a little bit stressed out this morning? Knowing what you got to do tomorrow? Anybody behind? Let me just, let's take a sign. Anybody, that, yeah, I already saw one hand go up over there. Anybody already behind at the office? Like, I don't even know how I'm going to catch up. I, I, anybody, <laughs> yeah, I see. anybody say, yeah, how many kids are behind in homework? You got job stuff with homework. Thank you for being honest. <laughs> hey, mom, dad, notice they need homework time. All right, so, so everybody's got stuff that we're dealing with, right? So what will we do about that stuff? I think about positive stuff and the stress that we deal with, and I said that some of the stress that we deal with is good. I mean, uh, going on vacation, anybody ever been stressed out about vacation? Who is somebody here that plans their vacations based on every minute of the day? Like at 8 o'clock, we're going to get up and we're going to have breakfast. At 9.15, we're going to join the tour and we're going to go around and see all the flowers of the place wherever you're going. I mean, you plan out every minute of your vacation. And when you get back from vacation, you're, you're more exhausted than you were before you went. You have to go back to work to get a vacation. It happens. But I can tell you, even though it may be a pressure cooker to go on vacation, it's good. It's good stress for us to get away. Getting a promotion in the workplace. Hey, it can be a good source of stress until the bad follows it. You know, it's like, man, this is going to be awesome. I got a promotion. And then all of a sudden you realize the responsibilities you have with the new job. What about having children? That's a positive stress. Too much stress, though, can cause real problems, not only in the workplace, but has anybody ever had work stress that's caused problems at home? Has anybody ever had stress that not only, because you see, none of us live to ourselves and none of us die to ourselves. So I'm guessing that if that stress causes problems in the workplace and that stress causes problems at home, that stress also causes problems when all of us gather in a place of worship. And Because I'm stressed out and because you're stressed out and because she's stressed out and he's stressed out, we come and what we do is we hide our stress Instead of asking one another, man, will you pray with me? Because I'm stressed out. Man, will you, be, will, you, will, you be, will you walk beside me? I mean, certainly we understand Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, but it's real nice to have a brother once in a while that will pray with you or a sister in Christ that will come alongside when we're dealing with stress. If we're not operating biblically, I say this, job stress can make a mess out of our lives. 
job-related stress. I, here's some statistics just for you before we get into Scripture. It says, causes millions of dollars in lost wages every year. Job-related stress. Job-related stress is a major cause of heart attacks. Fun fact for you. Plays a significant role in raising of blood pressure. It produces many sleepless nights. Job stress actually causes problems in the home, work, and play. It also contributes to divorce. Job-related stress. Does anybody know what the number one cause of divorce is? It's not infidelity. Financial stress. We'll be talking about financial stuff during this series. See, uh, job stress leads to depression and anxiety. It's also one of the many causes of health stuff. Health things like fatigue, headaches, backaches, nervousness, dizziness, people dealing with dizziness, uh, ulcers, and a myriad of other symptoms. But what kind of job stuff causes this or other types of stress? Well, let's think about it. What kind of stress do we deal with on a daily basis? And I just wrote some down. Anybody deal with long hours? What about this? Deadlines. Stress. Uh, what about change in the workplace or change in the ministry place? Well, I don't like how they're doing it. I don't like how they're... That's stressful, isn't it? We can be stressed out when things are changing all around us. What about, I know nobody in Northern Virginia deals with this stress. It's called traffic. <laughs> I mean, that's probably... I, I've seen some of y'all on the road, and that's why I, I back up like about a half a mile. It's like, I'm like, oh, look, there goes such and such. Break, 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 break. I'm backing up because I don't even want to come up on you and see your face. And then they'll be like, oh, pastor just saw me, you know, or whatever. <laughs> I'm just like, I see people with that little Battlefield Baptist sticker. I'm like, back up. I don't want to see their stress. What about, what about noise? See, I think, Travis, we were talking about another passage, be still and know that I'm God. I think in the workplace, and not only, what about, what about our stay-at-home dads and our stay-at-home moms? And kids think that noise is the greatest thing since sliced bread. It's like everything has to be turned up all the way. It's like, here's the out-processing of that, guys. I lived that life, and now I wear these things in my ears so that I can actually hear you. Noise is a problem sometimes, racing against the clock. We go in early to get ahead before everything goes haywire. We got people that come into work here at Battlefield Baptist Church early. I got to get in there before everything gets crazy. And then we got people such as myself who make a habit all too often of staying late and working overtime because it's the only quiet time that we can get things done. Anybody else like that? We go in early to beat the hecticness of the day, and then we stay late. And then the next thing you know, we find that our family is suffering. We find that our relationship with the Lord is suffering. And so job stuff is all around us. What about the stress of dealing with the boss, our coworkers, or employees in some of your cases? You know, you got people's personalities, prejudices, and, and literally not only their personality and preferences, but their attitudes. I was thinking about this yesterday. It's like the scarecrow in the Wizard of Oz. You know, the scarecrow said, uh, he said, lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. You go into the workplace, and that's what you deal with. <laughs> amen. Someone said amen. <laughs> but the sad reality is when all these things combine, we're not drawing closer to God at all. 
We draw further away from Jesus, and we start to think again, once again, in our, in our finite minds, we start thinking again that we can handle it, but really what happens to become the normal behavior is anger, becomes rage. We become enraged by the situation at work. We become depressed, or we become filled with anxiety, and we let these things get us off track biblically. And so I say, what do we do with all this stress stuff? Again, the very first step is get God involved. I mean, here's the reality. We were all created to work. Do you know it? Our job as believers is to bring God honor and glory. Think about Genesis chapter 2. After God creates Adam, where does God put Adam in Genesis 2.15? He puts him in the garden and what? Adam has a job. This is before the fall, folks. He has a job. He's supposed to dress and keep the garden, right? So Adam has a job, guys. You're to work. I'm to work. The Bible says that even after the fall, after the fall, after their sin, God talks about our work. Guys, show up in verse 17 through 19. The Bible says, this is this, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. In verse number 19, notice what the Bible says. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou, how long? Till thou return to the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. You see, even before the fall and after the fall, work has always been a part of the plan. In fact, Scripture commends hard work. It actually talks about hard work. It also commends rest, but it commends hard work. In Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 and following, the Bible talks about the ant. It says this, go to the ant. Thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no God, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. Again, hard work is commended. There's no way that you and I are going to get away from work unless we fall into that problem that Paul, he was writing to the church at Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians 3 verse number 10. And, and, and he says, he, basically what he's saying, he's saying if you're able to work, but you're unwilling to do it, don't think you're going to eat. That's basically a, a, a kind of a paraphrase of what he's saying in 2 Thessalonians 3.10. He says, hey, if you're able to work, but you're unwilling to do it, don't think that you're going to get to that seventh day, you know, work six days and eat on the seventh. Don't think that you're going to eat. you got to be willing to work. And so we see this in Scripture. For most people, though, I would suggest most people in this room and most people listening, working is not the problem. Typically, our job-related stresses and messes don't come from the fact that we work. They actually come from the fact that you and I never slow down. We never stop to rest or to experience the virtue of rest. And as I said, the example for rest is set in Scripture. In the beginning, God created the heavens of the earth, and we go on and on and on. Six days, boom, boom, boom. Seventh day, rest. We see that over and over in Deuteronomy and Exodus, that we're to work six days and then to rest on the Sabbath. In Matthew 11, I want you to look at this passage, but I want to be very careful how we look at it because I don't want a disservice to be done 
to this passage of Scripture. In Matthew chapter 11, notice what verse number 28 says. In the Bible, this is Jesus speaking. He says, Come unto me, all thee that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, it's important to understand, like I said, contextually, in this verse, Jesus is actually speaking of the laborious task of the Jewish people who had, one, been burdened by the guilt of sin, okay? Number two, they had been pressed down by the yoke of the law. And number three, they were fully loaded with human traditions. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, Quit being burdened, quit being weighed down, quit being uh, held to the yoke of the law. I have a better way. I'm going to offer you a new way. And so I want you to understand that's the context of what he's saying here when he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But you see, why were the Jewish people so committed to doing this? Why were they, why were they committed to, to trying to appease the, the conscience, the, the, the guilt of sin that they felt? You know, why, why, were they, why were they pressed down by the yoke of the law? Why were they trying to hold the human traditions? I would suggest to you for one reason. They were searching for peace. And Jesus said, that's not going to bring you peace. I'll give you peace and rest. But here's the key. you got to come unto me. You're heavy laden and you're burdened by your, by your stress, by, by your, your tradition, by trying to obey the law. That's, you're never going to be able to keep it all. He says, I'm going to offer a new way to you. And he says, you can come unto me and receive rest. In fact, in this verse and the two verses that follow, Jesus offers a new way not only to them, but to you and I today by telling them to lay down their burdens and to come to him by faith. Yes, Jesus was offering true spiritual rest for anyone who would respond. And so really, if you'll show this verse again, Really what I want you to get is one small little principle that the Lord offers here. And it's only one thing. Notice he says, come unto me. And the very last thing he says is, I will give you rest. Here's the only principle I want you to gain from this. When it comes to your job stuff, or whatever you're dealing with today, the only one who offers and the only one who is able to do anything about it is Jesus. I'm not able, you're not able, the man outside's not able, the only one that's able to give you peace, see the Jewish people they were looking for peace, the only one that's able to give you peace, his name is Jesus and he says come unto me, he says here's a principle, here's a principle, you're stuck in this, 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 this and this and he says you come unto me and I, he says I'm the one that's able to give you rest and so that's what he was saying here. And so I just put down here, why, why, why don't we take him up on that offer? We struggle and strain. We punish ourselves and our families with job stuff because of one primary reason. Now, you say, whoa, we do all this for one primary reason. We're only going to talk about one primary reason today. I'm sure there's many points as to why we struggle and strain and stress over our work and our employment and there's probably not only a lot of points, there's probably a lot of subpoints that fall under that. But really, the main reason so many of us, I really believe this from the bottom of my heart, the main reason that so many of us subject ourselves to unhealthy stress, it, that's what it is, it's unhealthy. The reason we subject ourselves to unhealthy stress is because we have bought into the myth. Hook, line, and sinker. You and I, we've bought into the myth. 
You know what that myth is, right? It's called the myth of more. We've all bought into the myth somehow with our job. We're saying, hey, if I put up with it just a little bit longer, if I do this just a little bit harder, if I do this, then I will have more. I mean, see, the myth of more, it says this. It says a little more money, a little more status, a little more excitement, a little more travel. Uh, I, I was reading something yesterday, an article yesterday, it said that, the, that workers in the United States average two weeks of vacation. That's the average. Average workers, full-time workers, they take, they have, they don't take it. They have offered two weeks of vacation. Do you know that other countries, most of them double, in some cases triple the vacation time? But here's the thing. Out of the two weeks that Americans are offered vacation, on average, they only take one week. They leave one week, they, they're either trying to bank it or they don't, they just lose it. You know, it's either you use it or you lose it. So we're offered vacation, but we don't take it. So a little more travel. I don't know where that comes from. What about this? A little or a lot more pleasure, the myth of more, a whole lot more power, a little more whatever that will finally produce the satisfaction that we're looking for. Not to mention this as moms and dads. The, I really believe this. We're on an unrealistic crusade. Many times we become parents and we're on an unrealistic crusade that says we're going to provide this, that, and whatever for our kids because we didn't have it. I didn't have it when I was a kid, but yet I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure my kid has it. I'm going to, I'm going to put them in this league, that league. I'm going to do this, that, and the other. Whatever, whatever the expense is, no expense is too great because they're my kid and they're going to have the best of, it, uh, of everything. And that's okay. I don't have a problem with giving the best that we can. But at a point where it becomes a problem between our relationship with the Lord, that's when stress starts to take over. Jesus refuted the idea of this myth of more, and Travis read it in Mark chapter 8, in verse 36 and 37, when Jesus said, For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? In other words, what he's saying is, what's the benefit of it? How do you benefit from this if you gain the whole world and still lose your own soul? What, what is that all about? I think about the wise man Solomon in Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes 1, in verse number 3, he's looking around trying to understand the meaning of life. And Solomon writes this, he says, What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? What Solomon is suggesting here is that riches or happiness being sought in this life, you see what he says, under the sun, S-U-N, in this life, he says, guess what? Anything that you're trying to find your happiness and your riches in this life under the sun, he says those things are unprofitable. There's no profit to it. You say, well, i got to pay the bills. But do you have to go in at 5 in the morning? And do you have to work till 9 at night? Do you have to work so that you only basically walk in and kiss your son goodnight? Only to get up the next morning and be gone before your son or your daughter wakes up. See, I think, I think we've bought into the myth of more so much that we've forgotten the greatest opportunity that we have is to be good stewards of our home. Husbands, to be good stewards of that which God has blessed us with. Mothers, to be good stewards of that which God has blessed us with. All for the sake of a little bit more. Oh, contentment and peace. 
will not and cannot be found in any acquisition experience or accomplishment that your job or my job may ever offer, provide. Listen, no, our contentment and peace will and can only begin to be realized when you and I make the decision once and for all to get God involved. You know, Jesus is to be first, not second. He's to be first. You said it, Eric. I was thinking about your testimony this morning. You were talking uh, about Jesus being first in a sense that when we trust Christ as our Savior, He is to become our Lord. That's the problem that we see today. A lot of people like Jesus the Savior. A lot of people struggle with Jesus the Lord. We like, we like Jesus the one who saves us from our sins, but we don't like Jesus the Lord who wants to guide us according to His way, according to His word, and according to His will. And so I just say He needs to be first rather than second, third, fourth, or last. In fact, in the passage that Travis read from Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says these words in verse 33. Uh, pretty pretty well-known passage of Scripture. And He says here in verse number 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then all these things, all the things that He was talking about here, in fact... Flip over to Matthew chapter 6. I want you to see it again for yourselves. Notice what he says here. In Matthew chapter 6, in verse number 31, Jesus says, he says, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? He says, Hey, listen. What you eat, what you drink, what you're going to be clothed with. He says, listen, I'm concerned about the grass. Don't you think I'm more concerned about you? He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. Listen, knowing that God understands my needs, and not only knowing that God understands my needs, but knowing that He promises to meet my needs, not my desires, not my wants, but my needs. See, that's a whole other message. We all have needs, but then we, we step it up. We have the wants, and then we have desire. Oh, I, I, it's like, uh, I, I, Jared, I, I'm not picking on Jared. I want the Tesla, <laughs> you know? My boys want the Tesla. Jared actually ordered a Tesla. He'll get it in like 2045. But anyway, uh, they, they only make like two of those a year, but I'm just joking. But you know, it's like the desire to have the new, the new this or the new that. I got to have, I don't even know what number iPhone we're on now. I think it's 10 or 10 plus. I don't even know if that's a thing. I'm sure it will be if it's not already. Uh, I got to have the latest Xbox if you're a young, young person or the PS. Uh, what was the last one I remember was PS4, now it's like PS24. I mean, I don't even know. I mean, it just keeps getting bigger and better and bigger and better. But Jesus says, hold on. I know what you have need of. I know that you need to eat. I know that you need to drink. I know that you need to be clothed. And he says, guess what? I'm the one that can provide those things, but here's what you got to do. You got to seek me first. I must be in the first place, not the last place. Listen, 
We need, to, we, we need to come to grips with our source of contentment and peace. And there's only one catch that Jesus says. He says, when he says, seek ye first, he says, I must be reinstated to my rightful position, to my rightful place in your life. If you want to deal with job, stress, oh, what a mess. You want to deal with that kind of stress? Why not try putting Jesus back where he rightfully needs to be? I put this down. We need to condition, or maybe in some cases, recondition ourselves to put him first. In everything we do, he's not to be the Lord of our leftovers. He's to be the Lord of our life. I'm afraid that we live in a culture today that has gotten so comfortable with making Jesus the Lord of our leftovers instead of the Lord of our life. And then we wonder why we don't operate or, or, or experience his power in our life. We say, hey, we say, yes, 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 boss, I'll be in early. Yes, boss, I'll stay late. Yes, boss, I'll do this. Yes, I'll do this. I'll take that job. I'll take that job. I'll charge you less. I'll take two of those and and call me in the morning and you'll be okay. We do all this stuff. And yet when we go in early, what happens to our prayer time at the beginning of the day? When we get up and we scurry off to work, do we take time to have personal devotions with the Lord? When we, when we work so late that we're so exhausted that we can't even keep our eyes open, I'm just going to suggest, because I've been there, done that, and still struggle with that, we don't eat right. We don't eat right. And then we wonder why we're waking up in the middle of the night. I'm playing the card on myself. We wake up in the middle of the night, and our legs are cramping, and we're screaming in the bed. What's going on? Maybe we need to recondition our minds to put him first. He needs to be primary. Everything else needs to be secondary. You may be thinking here this morning, okay, if I put Jesus Christ first, will all the stresses, will all the messes of my life fade away? I got a resounding answer for you. No. They will not all fade away. But I would suggest to you that when Christ comes first, Our job, with its long hours, with our deadlines, with the traffic that we have to deal with, with the personalities, the preferences, the attitudes of people that we have to deal with on a daily basis, I would suggest that when Christ comes first, those things will become much easier to deal with. I would suggest that when Christ comes first, he will continue to do what he said he'll do, and that is to meet our needs. And I would suggest that when Christ comes first, Just like he said in Matthew chapter 11, he'll still be true to his word. He'll give you rest. When we stop struggling and straining with everything that we think is important, and we make him what is most important, I just have to believe that he'll take care of that job stress. And so I want to encourage you this morning, maybe it's been a long time coming, to recondition your mind. To ask the Lord, say, God, come into my life and and recondition my mind, recondition my heart so that I might restore you, that I might reinstate you to your proper position in my life. When Isaiah looked and he saw Jesus up on the throne, what did he say? He said, woe is me. Woe is me. And so maybe that would be your prayer this morning. You'd say, God, I want to put you first. Please forgive me for not keeping you first. Please forgive me for putting everything with my job first. God, please forgive me for putting other things first. I want to reinstate you to your rightful position. 
And then you may be here this morning and you say, man, I haven't put Christ first because he's never been first in my life. My testimony is that I'm not even sure I believe in Jesus. I'm not even sure that I believe the God of the Bible. I'm not even sure I believe in this. But I'm interested in that. And I'm curious. Is Jesus who he really says he is? Maybe that's your prayer this morning. Maybe you say, man, I've heard a little bit about Jesus, and I'm curious. I want to know if he is who he really said he is. Can I assure you that he is? The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible told me and tells us all that we're all sinners. We've all come short of the glory of God. Every one of us are sinners. That's not a popular message. You come to church, hey, I'm going to visit Battlefield Baptist Church. Everyone's a sinner. Thank you so much for that. But it's the truth. And I'm guessing that you didn't need me to remind you of that. But the Bible says that there's a payment. There's a wage for our sin. It says for the wages of sin is death. But just like Christmas that we just celebrated and everybody received gifts, God has offered a gift to us. And he says, if you'll receive that gift, oh, you can have peace in your life. You want to you experience this contentment, this peace that you're looking for. Trust Christ as your Savior. You've never called out upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says that if you'll do so, you'll be saved. It says simply, for whosoever. That means whoever. It doesn't matter where you are, how old you are, what your job is. It says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I want to encourage you, the best I know how, trust Christ. Put him first. If he's not first in your life as your Savior and your Lord, put him first right now. If you already know Christ and you've put him on the back burner of life, why not? Why not humble yourself as he humbled himself on the cross, becoming obedient unto the death? Oh my goodness, why not humble yourself and ask him, beg him. Thank you so much for listening. For more information about our ministry, please go to battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. See you next time.